0: You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, December the 2nd, in the year of our Lord, 2019, and therefore we take a look at a reading for the following Sunday, which will be the second Sunday in Advent, and the readings are from Isaiah 11, Romans 15, Psalm 72, and Matthew 3. We're going to focus on Matthew 3, 1 to 12, talking about John the Baptizer. So without further ado, let's begin. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, in those days, this would be after, of course, Jesus was born. Jesus was conceived when John the Baptizer was six months in the womb of Elizabeth. And so they probably knew each other as they grew up and John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, what was he preaching? Very important to take a look at that because preaching means you're talking about something that the people need to hear. And the particular word they use for preaching is caruso. And that's very similar to preaching the gospel. Now, a lot of times, the preaching of the gospel needs to begin with a preaching of the law. And here's what he's saying. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Why is he doing that? That is a prophecy from Isaiah that the forerunner to Jesus will be one who's going to preach what verse two says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, is repentance what gets you into heaven? Well, it's necessary in order to understand the necessity of the forgiveness of sins. The word repent, metanoah, is really an important word because it is not only over your sins where you have grief, but also includes looking to God to help you. Yesterday we had uh, kind of an interesting Bible study at the church I'm going to, and we were talking about the question, who was responsible for the death of Jesus? And of course, some people say the Jews were. Other people say the Romans were. And then there are those who say, no, we were because of our sins. I disagree with all of those because the one who is responsible for the death of Jesus Christ is none other than God himself. In Isaiah 53 it says, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Very important to understand that God is the one responsible therefore we have no power to put jesus on the cross we have sins that made it necessary for god to have someone die for us but it was god who laid on him the iniquity of us all the father is responsible for the son's death. We're prepared to receive the benefits of that death through repentance, which includes not only sorrow over sin, but trust in Jesus. Now, when John the baptizer says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's not referring to the heaven after Judgment Day. There are actually three kingdoms of heaven mentioned in the Bible. The first is, of course, not chronologically, but the kingdom of heaven after Judgment Day. But when you die, your spirit goes to be with Jesus, it's called the interim, the in-between time. And that's also the kingdom of heaven. But the kingdom of heaven that John the baptizer is talking about, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is the same one that Jesus refers to when he begins his parables, the kingdom of heaven is like. He's not talking about the afterlife. He's talking about the holy Christian church on earth. So not everyone is in the kingdom of heaven, but the, only those who trust in Jesus for their salvation. So that's the message of John the baptizer. It's kind of like if you're not feeling well, the first step is a diagnosis. You go to a doctor and he says, oh, you have, let's say, a virus, etc." then you're looking for treatment. John the baptizer is the diagnosis. He tells you why you need treatment. A lot of people don't realize that they are sinners. I mean, how many times have you said that, boy, uh, you need a savior? Well, I'm not that big a sinner. I know people who are worse than me Well, the fact of the matter is, we're all sinners to the degree that we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. I'm beginning to understand when I drive Uber and talk to people about Jesus, that a lot of times they don't like Christians because we give the impression that they are responsible for the death of Jesus Christ and they don't think they're that bad a sinner. Well, the first to tell them is they're not responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. They had no power to put Jesus on the cross. No, their sins may make it necessary for God to have someone die, but it was God the Father who was responsible for putting Jesus on the cross. The devil had no power to do that in and of himself. So when John the Baptizer says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, this is really a fulfillment of the prophecy of the prophet Isaiah. When he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And that, therefore, is what the task of John the Baptizer is all about. He's trying to make paths straight. Some people think so highly of themselves. They're kind of a mountain of pride. And therefore, they don't need a Savior. Others are so depressed, they're like a valley. And they don't think anybody can help them. But by making the path straight... The prideful mountains are brought down, and the valley of despair is brought up to make a straight path to Jesus, and he's the one who can solve your problem of salvation. Now, they, they have an interesting note. John wore a garment of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Now, when you read that, you try and figure out, well, why are they making that? Well, actually, wearing camel's hair was worn by Elijah and other prophets. And because of the prophecy in Malachi, Jews of Jesus' day did expect Elijah to return before the Messiah would come. Now, if you remember the words of Jesus on the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, it sounded like he was calling to Elijah, but Eli is really, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so he really wasn't calling on Elijah at that point, but that's what they expected. And later on in Mark 9, 11 to 13, Jesus equates the ministry of John the baptizer with the fulfillment of the new Elijah. And so these foods he ate were also similar to the foods that were eaten uh, at the time of Elijah. A lot of times, like locusts, were cleansed by water or fire before being eaten. So it's very clear that John the baptizer is the fulfillment of what Elijah is talking about. Now, verse 5. Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. That means They were going to John to hear about what repentance truly is. And that repentance, of course, he would give examples. For example, soldiers would be content with their wages and not plunder uh, the enemies that they were fighting. So it was all obviously a repentance of sin and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins now this is not the pentecost baptism for this baptism was more of a ceremonial ritual cleansing where people made known that they were sinners And then by being baptized in the water, it was symbolic of the baptism that would be coming. That didn't come until the day of Pentecost. And that became a sacramental baptism. Because through it, remember what Peter says? You will receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins. Now we'll get to that in a moment. But, verse 7, when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism. Now, Pharisees were kind of elders in the church. Sadducees, they also were Old Testament believers, but they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. You may recall the discussion Jesus had with them when they tried to trick Jesus. They said, well, there's a woman who had a number of husbands here on earth. To whom will she be married to when she gets to heaven? And Jesus said, do you not know the scriptures? There will be no marriage in heaven as there is on earth. We're going to be like the angels. And also, they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, so Jesus takes what they do think is the Bible. The Sadducees only thought the first five books of the Bible, Moses, were truly the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so he quotes from them. He says, does not God say Well, he asked first, is God a God of the living or of the dead? And they said, well, he's the God of the living. And then he said, did God not say, I am the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac? Wow. Or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Boy, he really caught them. Because if they believe he's the God of the living, then, of course, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still living after they had died in the spirit. And then of course on the Mount of Transfiguration we find Moses and Elijah. So obviously the Bible teaches a resurrection from the dead and even the first five books of Moses make that clear. Anyway, these people were not believers in Jesus Christ. And John the baptizer says, you brood of vipers. Now a vipers a poisonous snake who warns you to flee from the wrath to come. John the baptizer connects him to Satan because how did Satan appear in the Garden of Eden? He was in the form of a snake. And John encourages them, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What does that mean? Well, the fruit is a result of your confession of sin. If you confess that you are getting drunk too many times, then to bear fruit would mean you would not be drinking as much. Whatever your particular sin is, to bear fruit in keeping with repentance means you attempt to do that which is according to the will of God. Now what were they saying? Well, John the baptizer tells him, do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. You see, they accused Jesus of being born out of wedlock because Mary was pregnant prior to the marriage to Joseph. But they have Abraham as their father And what does John the baptizer say? Well, if that's what saves you, God is able to raise from these stones children up for Abraham. That's very interesting. Well, stones aren't going to be saved. Stones have no salvation. So even if they were children of Abraham, that would not help them. For a better understanding of this, you want to go to Romans 9 to 11, where Paul makes a really clear distinction that not all Israel is of Israel. You have one Israel that thinks they're saved because they're related to Abraham. But there's another Israel who are saved because they are with the promises of Isaac. Namely, believing a savior will come. So just being related to Abraham doesn't save anybody. Verse 10. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Now, what kind of tree is going to get axed? John continues. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, all you need to do is go a little bit further in Matthew. We're in Matthew right now, chapter 3. But if you go to verse 25, you have the parable of the sheep and the goats. The sheep are bearing fruit, that God considers to be proper. Namely, because they are motivated by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hungry, you gave me food. Thirsty, you gave me drink, etc., etc. But the goats, even though they may do the same thing, give food to the hungry, they don't do it with the motivation of faith in Jesus Christ. And so, what does Jesus say? Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal judgment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's what John the Baptizer is talking about, about good fruit, you're going to heaven. Fruit that is not motivated by the Holy Spirit, you're thrown into the fires of hell. Verse 11. Now here's where we make the distinction between John's baptism and the Pentecost baptism. I baptize you with water for repentance. See, that's a ceremonial act. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, of whom is John talking about? He's talking about Jesus. In fact, later when Jesus comes to be baptized, John introduces him. Behold, the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sins of the world. And and that's where we're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit in the Pentecost baptism. Verse 12, it says, His winnowing fork is in his hand. Now, winnowing fork would be an implement in order to thresh the floor And threshing would divide the wheat from the bad stuff. And so when he talks about, and gather his wheat into the barn, he's simply making the point that just as the harvester saves the wheat, God will save his people. And the word barn there is simply the place where they stored what's he separating from the wheat (coughs) he's separating the chaff c-h-a-f-f and the chaff of course is that which is supposed to be separated It, it had no value at all and so it was burned and Isaiah talks about that unquenchable fire in God's judgment in Isaiah 30, verse 27. So John the baptizer has a tremendous ministry, but it's a ministry not only of every pastor in the church, but also of the lay people, parents, are to teach their children Luther's small catechism, including the Ten Commandments, so that they understand what is the proper good work to be done. Verse 8, so they bear fruit in keeping with repentance. It's a wonderful, wonderful example that God gives us about how we are to preach both law and gospel. John the baptizer was basically proclaiming the law. People would become aware of their sin. They would be diagnosed as not fit for heaven, and therefore they would repent of that sin before Almighty God And then through faith in Jesus Christ, trust the promises, particularly of what he said on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. It's a wonderful text in this Sunday in Advent, because it again talks about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he's coming in a way that he is bearing the gospel. And that gospel is heard. Tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Mark Smith. We'll be taking a look at the hymn, On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry